Hey everybody, it's Matt Zola from Fern Creek Christian Church. So glad you're able to tune in with us today. Hey, while you're on your phone, why don't you go ahead and follow us on social media at Fern Creek CC on Facebook and Instagram. And you can download the Fern Creek Christian Church app on your phone today. We hope this message encourages you to become a better follower of Jesus, to be a disciple that makes more disciples. So without further ado, here's the message. Well, hey, good morning, Fern Creek. It's great to see you. Hey, before we get into the message, I just want to give a special shout out. Yesterday, for several hours, we had, I think, 25 or 30 folks who showed up and, man, they spread mulch and they got everything looking really good for this coming week for Easter. So can we just thank all those folks who made? It looks so good. looks so good. I'm thrilled to be part of a church that serves. So thank you, thank you, thank you to those of you who showed up yesterday. Um, hey, uh, two weeks ago, our, our garbage disposal in our kitchen sink went out. <laughs> I thought I could fix that. That looks simple. Yeah, that was my first mistake. So I, I went to Lowe's and I got a new disposal and, and I started my DIY. And real quick, it was evident that I was in over my head. The, the, the first issue, have you ever been under your kitchen sink? <laughs> Not the most spacious room in your home, right? As I'm laying under there with my head hitting pipes and metal knobs and uh, my back, you know, they, your back's on that wooden ledge, man, but you man up and you're like, I'm here to do a job. I'm going to do the job. And so I saw these three giant screws that was holding the disposal in place. So, man, I got out my screwdriver, undid those screws. I'm like, I should be a plumber. This is easy, right? And then for the next 45 minutes, it wouldn't budge. Couldn't get it out, right? And so, man, like, I'm... Man, my stress level's at a 20. My back feels like a pretzel, man. So I slither out, and I did what everybody kind of does. I went on YouTube, and I cheated, and I found this lady, Patty the Plumber. And Patty says, I've got the secret no one else has. So I'm like, oh, well, I got to get Patty's got it. So I get Patty. We get underneath the, the sink, man, and, and she says, you see those three screws? I'm like, I'm ahead of you, Patty. She says, do not, and I say, do not take those out. <laughs> That's unfortunate, right? So, so then she says, secret number two. And then I got to watch three commercials with my head in between the pipes, back twisted like a prison. Now, now the next secret is you're going to need a key to unlock it. You cannot get it out unless you have a key to unlock it. And, and, I'm, sitting, and I'm sitting there and I'm, like, and I'm like, how many beers did it take for the engineers to figure that out, Right. Like, like, I mean, what meeting were they in where they said, you know what, when somebody sneaks into your house and robs your house, they're going to see that our disposal is in your sink and they're going to want to steal it. So when they slide underneath that sink, you know, what, how, how surprised are they going to be when they can't because they don't have the key to steal it? I'm like, this is ridiculous. So, man, like six hours, two trips to Lowe's, four a leave later, I think finally got in. And, and I realized some things are way harder than what they appear, right? Some things are just way more difficult, way more complex than what they come off. So we're, we're going back to this parable that Jesus taught, taught. The Gospel of Matthew, 22 parables, 22 stories Jesus tells. 
And everybody grows up, if you grow up in church, you grow up thinking these parables are a cute little story, childlike story that takes an earthly illustration and, you know, makes a biblical point. And these are cute little easy stories. No, no, that's not what Jesus is doing with the parables. They are way more complicated, way more complex. And I want to show you that today as we go back to this parable. So you remember the parable. Jesus said a farmer went out and he sowed some seed. Some fell here, some fell there. Some didn't grow because it was on a hard path. Some grew, but because it didn't have a deep root, the sun came out, withered it. Uh, some fell along the thorns and it choked it out, but then some landed on good soil. It produced 30, 60, 100 fold. And then Jesus looks at the, he says, if you got ears, listen up and off he goes. No explanation. No funny story, no heartfelt, you know, tugging of the heartstrings, no Q&A. He just tells this little story and the church is over. Grace, peace, see you next week, right? And what I'm showing you is as people leave that day, they're leaving, scratching their heads going, that's it? Like we came all this way to hear this guy preach and he doesn't teach us any theological truth. He doesn't take a lot of time. He just tells this funky story about a farmer sowing seed. I'm a little confused. And it's so perplexing. Even the disciples, the 12 who follow him, later on say, why are you doing this? Like, like Jesus, don't you understand? Like, like your fame is growing. Like people are flocking to see you. Like your followers on Facebook, your subscribers are off the chart. Why are you telling these dumb little stories? Like, like why can't you go back the Sermon on the Mount stuff that you did, like the Lord's Prayer, that was killer. Why aren't you teaching that? Like, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, that would go viral. Like, Jesus, why aren't you giving to the needy, forgiving your enemies? Jesus, why aren't you teaching that stuff? Why are you teaching these little stories and not explaining it? And then that's when Jesus drops the bomb. So in Matthew 13, he tells the parable we skipped a bunch of verses and then he gets the disciples alone and he explains it to them. Tucked between those two points, he tells them this. Look at Matthew 13, 13. This is why I use parables. You want to know why I'm telling these stories? For they look, but they don't really see. They hear, but they don't really listen. They don't really understand. Now that may be a little confusing, but let me unpack it. Jesus has been ministering for about two, two and a half years. He's done amazing things. He's raised the dead. He's calm. I mean, he's healed people. He's preached un unbelievable truth. And what's happened in that two and a half years is they've turned him into a celebrity. He's become a rock star. He didn't come to become a rock star. He didn't come to be a celebrity. He came to turn hearts back to God. He came calling people to repent. He came saying to people, pick up your cross. It's going to require you to carry a cross to follow me. And that message was getting lost. Because as his fame grew, there were people showing up to see what they wanted to see. There were people showing up expecting to hear what they wanted to hear. Let me explain. When he's teaching this parable, there were hundreds, maybe a thousand people. And in that crowd, there were different types of groups. There were the fish and chips group. There were, there were people who had heard that, that he had fed thousands of people. 
So, so maybe today he's going to give us a free lunch, fish and chips, fish and chips. So there are people there expecting to see a miracle, and maybe he would feed them. They, they were in the crowd. There were in the crowd that day, there were the political pundits. There were people who showed up going, you know, maybe he's the Messiah, the guy that will kick Rome out of, out of the way, finally liberate us, bring the Jewish nation to promise, make Israel great again, right? There were those people. Like, that's the message we want to hear? There were the religious reformers in the crowd that day who were tired of the old school Judaic way. Love wins. Open hearts, open minds, open doors. Out with the old, in with the new. This guy, Jesus, has got long hair and he's teaching some new things. This is it. We're going to reform the church. There were the theological watchdogs in the crowd that day. People who had... You know, staunch traditionalists who said, I hear he eats with sinners, tax collectors, prostitutes. He breaks the Sabbath. I'm here to catch him uh, in a lie. I'm here to prove that he's not the Messiah. So all these people had all these unrealistic expectations, worldly expectations in the crowd that day. They all want something different out of him. And Jesus says, okay, you want something? Listen up. Farmer went out to sow some seed. Some fell here, some fell there, some grew, some didn't. You got ears, listen. And most of the people left that day, you got to understand this, most of the people left that day totally disappointed because he failed to meet their expectations. No fish and chips, no make Israel great again, no band in skinny jeans, no jokes, no theology, just a lame story about a farmer who's scattering seed. I'm out. And a lot of people left that day. But hear me, in that massive crowd, there were a few there was a minority. There, there were some who were like, what does he mean? Like, he means something there. Like, I don't get it. I don't fully understand it, but I'm not leaving. I'm coming back. I'm going to think and dig and pray. I'm not out. I'm in. I need to go deeper. See, the parables that Jesus tells become a strainer. You, you know what a strainer does, right? It filters out. It exposes the fans from the followers. It separates the committed from the crowd. So when Jesus tells a parable, listen to me, it's not to make it easier. It's to make it more difficult. He doesn't lower the bar when he tells a parable. He elevates the bar. So, so again, um, what it tells us is we don't get to come to Jesus on our terms. And a lot of times that's what we want to do. Jesus, if you'll hold the pickles and hold the lettuce, if you'll serve it my way, like if you'll give me what I need, if, if your teaching aligns with what I believe, then I'm in, I'll follow you. But if you don't do it my way, like, like if you challenge me to think something different, if I get uncomfortable, if it doesn't meet my expectations, then I'm out. This this is hard, this parable. And, and Jesus is saying, you got to unlock it. I'm, I'm going to use this to filter out uh, the surface from the committed. So, so let's go back. If, if you missed last week, let me just recap real quick. The seed is falling on a couple different soils. Last week we talked about the hard soil, the path, right? And the hard soil was this hard heart, this closed heart, no room, no desire, no time for Jesus. Now, as Jesus is telling the story, what you got to understand is as he's scattering the seed to these people telling this story, there are some people there that had hard hearts. 
and the seed just bounced right off of them. Again, they were here, they were there for just a lot of different, maybe in the crowd that day, there were some husbands who were in the doghouse with their wives and the only way out was to go hear this Jesus dude preach. So they went and, and, and they saw what they didn't expect to see, but that they didn't see, they didn't see him. I'm sure there were people that day, that day that were there to, to hear uh, or to see things, miracles. Again, they didn't get what they wanted. They didn't, so, so they, were just, they were just out. So there was people in the crowd that day who just, man, I don't get it. I don't understand. I have no room, no time. I'm out. They were hard-hearted people. And then the, the second soil we talked about last week was this rocky soil, right? As the seed is being spread, it, it takes root, it grows, but there's this layer of rock that prohibits the roots from going down deep. So it springs up with joy, receives it, but the sun scorches it and it withers and it dies. What are these people? We talked about persecution and suffering. And I'm sure in the crowd that day, there were rocky-hearted people, like people who had heard Jesus preach a year ago or six months ago or two weeks ago, and they're like, that's it. He's the Messiah. I'm in. And they received his message with joy, but their life didn't get any better. Like they still had lost their job and they hadn't found a new one. Like their kid was still sick. Their marriage was still broken. And they're like, well, wait a minute. I thought you were going to fix everything. Like, I thought if I gave my life to you, you'd be this genie and you'd kind of do what I would want you to do. And I haven't gotten things and it's getting hard. And it's not getting any easier. Like, I've, I've got a lot of questions. Why aren't you making things better in my life? And all they got was a story about a farmer spreading seeds. So a lot of them were like, well, I'm, I'm done. I'm out. And then listen to the rest of the story. Is Jesus, we, we pick up Matthew 13, 7. So other seed fell along thorns which grew up and choked out the plant. And then the explanation in verse 22, as Jesus talks to the disciples, he explains it more in depth. He said, the one who received the seed that fell along the thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries of this life, deceitfulness of wealth, choke it out, making it unfruitful. So Jesus is saying, you know, there are people who will receive the word and it'll take root and it'll grow. The plant will break the surface. On, on the surface, it will look green and healthy. It'll have leaves, but it's not producing any fruit. Why? Because the weeds choke it out. Now, you know about weeds. You know about weeds, don't you? Anybody, who, who has weeds in their yard or their garden? Let me see your hands. Hopefully, everybody. You know how weeds work, right? You go to Lowe's. It's, it's spring. We're getting ready to plant all of our stuff, right? You go to Lowe's and you get your... Your, your soil with its nutrients, you got to buy some soil and, and you buy your, your flower seeds and your carrot seeds, your watermelon seeds. You got all your seeds and you're like, oh, one more thing. I forgot one more thing. So you go down aisle after aisle after aisle and all of a sudden you find it. You put that 10 pound bag of weed seed in your cart because you got to plant weeds, right? No, that's not how weeds grow. Anybody plant weeds? <laughs> no, nobody plants weeds. They just happen. I read a study last week that said if you take an acre of ground, just an acre, you take an inch across that entire acre, there are three million weed seeds in that just inch. of so They're there. They're baked in. Weeds are in the ground. So again, as the plant grows, these weeds are competing for the nutrients and choking out. So again, the, the, the flower, the plant grows right up with the weeds. And at some point, man, Again, what the weeds does doesn't kill the plant. It just doesn't allow it to mature. It doesn't allow it to produce fruit. So hang with me. Maybe you've thought to yourself, you know, um, this Jesus guy, like I know him. 
like, um, I go to church. I was baptized when I was little. I read the Bible on occasion. I, prayer, you know, not really into it. Like if something bad's going on in my life, then I'll pray. And maybe you would say, you know, I, I really don't feel the presence of God in my life. Like, like if I'm honest, I feel a little hollow. I feel a little dry. And if people really looked at me, like they would not see any evidence of spiritual fruit. Like, like there's not a lot of patience. There's not a lot of peace. There's not a lot of love. There's not a lot of kindness. Self-control, that's not existent in my life. So, so if you really were to look, like you're not going to see that. Well, perhaps the possibility is maybe there's some weeds that are choking you out, like, like prohibiting you from being mature in Christ, prohibiting you from bearing fruit in Christ. So, so, so what could those weeds be that are robbing you? Well, Jesus identifies it. Go back to the text with me. Look at Matthew 13, 22. The one who received the seed that fell along the thorns is the man who hears the word. Here come there. These aren't the only weeds, but here's two that he identifies. The worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth. Those are two weeds that can choke you out and make you unfruitful. So let's just talk about those two weeds real quick, the worries of this life. Now listen, we all, we all have worries. What's Jesus talking about here? I think the word, the Greek word that he uses here is, is an anxious concern that agitates and consumes and distracts us. So you can, you can think about something. That might not be a worry. But if you obsess and it consumes you and it agitates you and it keeps you up at night, that would be a worry. Now think about all the things that do that to us. How or where am I going to find the money to fix that? Where are we going to go for Easter dinner? Every place is booked already. Why can't I meet someone special? Why can't you load the dishwasher right? When will they give me a raise? When will UK or U of L ever win a game again? How am I going to buy a new car? How am I going to have enough for retirement? What if Putin launches a nuke? What if Trump does or doesn't go to jail? All these things that consume and agitate and worry us like thorns. It just crowds and chokes and it makes us unfruitful. God convicted me this week. He said, Craig, if your phone, if your team, if your hobby, if your stuff, if Fox News or CNN is your daily bread, no wonder you're feeling choked. Worry and anxiety, what does it do? It erodes the belief that God's in control. When we're overly concerned and overly agitated and anxious, it just erodes this whole truth that God sees, God hears, God knows, God will help. And that's what worry does. And that's why it chokes us out and makes us unfruitful. So God says, listen, dig that out, dig that up. Look at Philippians chapter four, look at verse six. Great passage. Paul says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Paul says, don't, don't be consumed with the worries of this world. God sees, God will provide, God will take care. Don't let that choke you out. Uh, another weed that he talks about is the deceitfulness of wealth. 
Isn't that a peculiar phrase? I stopped this on the deceitfulness of wealth. And I thought about it this week. Like, like how does wealth lie to us? Do you, that's what Jesus is saying. Wealth will lie to you. Wealth, stuff, money will double cross you. And I'm like, well, how, how does that work? Well, here's how it works. Money and stuff make promises it can't keep. It, it will make you a promise you can't keep. What's the promise? Well, the promise is, if you have me, if you get me, if you get more of me, you'll be satisfied. That, that's the lie, and we all buy into it. If I just had this, if I just made this, I'll be happy. I'll be satisfied. And at first, we are. I'll never forget when we moved in our house here in Louisville, needed a new TV, and it had a fireplace. We're going to put it up over the, over the fireplace. And I said to Laura, I said, we need to go get a new TV. And she said, well, go get the biggest one you can get. And I'm like, that's my woman right there. I love my woman. <laughs> so, man, and I went and I got a 60-inch LED, and it was beautiful. I hung that thing up there. I wouldn't let my kids look at it too long because they might, they might break it. They couldn't breathe on it. They, I mean, the remote, I hid the remote, keep it away from jelly fingers and dog slobber. I love lead. Led and I were friends. Led and I were happy. I loved my LED TV until about a year and a half later, I went over to a buddy's house and he had a 75-inch 3D 4K with smell-o-vision. Well, that wasn't a feature. But I saw something that I, I didn't have that someone else had. It was bigger and better, and I, I wasn't satisfied any longer. Let, let, let me remind you, the world in which we live this is how it works. The world in which we live, in any company that's smart, is going to do this. They're going to show you the moon. They're going to promise you the moon. And when you buy that, they will create a bigger, faster, slicker moon. And they just keep doing that. Otherwise, you'd still have your iPhone 3. Well, we got to have a new one and a bigger one and a better one. And I'm not, li li listen, don't, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying it's wrong to have stuff. I'm, no. It's wrong to have money. No. It's not wrong to have stuff. It's not wrong to have money. It's wrong when your money or stuff have you. That's the deceitfulness. I'm one of the richest, J.D. Rockefeller, one of the most wealthiest men to ever live, was asked, how much is enough? He said, a little bit more. Just a little bit more. So, so listen to the words of Jesus. Luke chapter 12, verse 15, our Savior said, beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you what? Wow. It's not measured that way. That's not how we keep score with what we own. And the longer this dance goes on, right, the thorny heart is a divided heart. You got a little bit of G, enough of Jesus to be unfulfilled in the world and enough of the world to be unfulfilled with Jesus. And it's this dance. It's, it's, it's a foot in the world and a foot in the kingdom. And I go back and forth. And the longer I do that dance, the longer my heart is divided, man, the more those weeds just kind of grow up and begin to choke me out. There's an example of a guy in the Bible who did that dance, who let the weeds, the love of the world, the the love of money, the, the love of the kingdom of, of the earth grow up and choke him out. Let me tell you about him. Uh, the Apostle Paul. 
Paul wrote all those epistles in the New Testament. Two-thirds of your New Testament was written by the Apostle Paul. Paul is writing a letter to a guy named Philemon. There's no chapters in Philemon, just verses. And in verse 23, Paul ends his letter to Philemon by talking about all these guys that are co-workers with him that are sending like their greetings. Let me read it to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends you greetings. So do Mark, Arist, Aristarchus, <laughs> tell me this guy's name, Demas, Demas, Demas and Luke, my co-workers. So there's this guy working in the kingdom, working with Paul, traveling as a pastor, Demas, who's serving in the kingdom. A few years later, Paul will write his second letter of Timothy, the second letter to Timothy, right? At the very end, watch what Paul writes, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 9. Timothy, please come as soon as you can. Demas has deserted me because he loves the things of this life and he's gone to Thessalonica. Wow. Like here's a dude a couple years earlier was on fire for the Lord, serving, preaching, ministering, but fast forward a couple years, he's not just had a bad week, not just had a bad month, he's abandoned the faith. He's left the kingdom. Why? Because he loved the world. Those weeds grew up and choked him out to a point where he's like, I'm, I'm just going back to the world. We have to constantly work, friends, at not just de-rocking our hearts, de-weeding our hearts, right? Not letting the worries of the world, not letting the deceitfulness of wealth choke out the life that Jesus brings. And then Jesus is going to wrap up the parable. Listen to how he wraps it up. Matthew 13, 8. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil. And they produced a crop that was 30, 60, even 100 times as much as he had, has been planted. That's what he tells the crowd. Later on, he goes into more depth with the, with the disciples. He explains it. The seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word. They produce a harvest of 30, 60, even 100 times as much as has been planted. And, and when you read about the good soil, like, like only 25% of the seed falls on good soil. And when I think about good soil, I'm like, well, what makes soil good? <laughs> well, soil isn't good on its own, right? Like, like, like if you leave soil to itself, it's going to get hard because people are going to walk on it. So it'll be, it'll be hard. There's still going to be hard places. There's still going to be rocks underneath it, right? That's the natural state of soil. There's still going to be weeds. Weeds are going to, so, so how, how does God take Take that soil and make it good. Who can soften? Who can de-rock? Who can de-weed the heart? Well, only God can do that. Only God can. And how, how does God make good soil? How does God prepare a heart that's right for the seed? It's when the person says, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. That's how he begins it. It's when the person hears the word and says, God created me a clean heart. I can't do it on my own. I got junk inside. So God, you've got to make that soil clean in my life. Pull out the weeds, dig up the rocks. Lord, I am open. I am hungry. I am needy. I repent of my sin. I will hunger and apply your word. I'm going to seek first your kingdom. I will take up my cross and follow you. 
It's the Christian who says, keep refining, keep polishing me, keep me connected to the vine. As long as I stay close to you and connected to you, man, you're going to bear fruit in my life. And what's astonishing is, man, the level of fruit that's produced. 30 times, 60 times, 100 times what was planted. This, this was the shocker for everybody hearing it that day. The average yield back in the day was seven and a half times. If you planted and, and you reaped seven and a half times what you planted, that was huge. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. Man, I, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna cause the 30, 60, 100 time fold. So, so here's, here's what I want you to know as we wrap this up. If you're a Christian, man, you are gonna bear fruit. If we stay connected to the vine, if we keep digging out the rocks, keep pulling out the weeds, Jesus is gonna use us to make a difference. Fruit will be developed in our life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And friends, listen, in spite of our sin, I'm not saying you'll never sin again. No, we're, we're sinful, fallen creatures. I'm not saying you're, you're, you're not gonna fail. In spite of that, God will still change. He'll still use. He'll still advance his kingdom. You will still see fruit in your life. That is his power at work in us. So one more time, look at the text. Then he told them many things in parables, saying a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. Birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it didn't have much soil. It sprang up quick because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched. They withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked out the plant. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop, 160 or 30 times what was sown. He who has ears, hear. Let's pray. Hey, it's Matt Zola again. That was a powerful message we just heard. I pray that what we have learned today wouldn't just be stored in our minds, but would move into our hearts and help us to be conformed into the image of God's Son, Jesus. And I pray that that message helped you become a better follower of Jesus and taught you how to love, live, and lead like Jesus. If you want to talk with somebody about something you just heard or you want prayer for something going on in your life, there's somebody on staff who would love to connect with you. Why don't you email us at office at ferncreekcc.org and we want to put a name to your face. We want to know your story and we want to connect with you in person if we can. Again, that's office at ferncreekcc.org. You know, one of the things we value at Fern Creek Christian Church is being a part of community. If you've been listening to our sermons online or you've been watching our services on YouTube or Facebook, why don't you come visit us in person one Sunday? We would love to get to know who you are, and we believe that we grow better as followers of Jesus in community and not in isolation. You know, God gives us community as a gift. We have services every Sunday morning, 845, 10, and 1115, and we hope that you'll feel welcomed enough to be able to join us and worship with us in person. Thanks for tuning in today. Grace, peace, bless others this week.